The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Okay. Man Power Trip of Wrestling. I'm your host, JP John. Pause with me today. Very special guest, former ICW World Heavyweight Champion. You may know him as Killian Dane in WWE. Or she worried. Yes, there you go. Nice. He's got the shirt on. He is, of course, Big Damo. Welcome to the Two Man Power Trip. How you doing? My pleasure. Thanks for having me. The uh, incredible coincidence of wearing this this shirt. <laughs> <laughs> it was in the rotation, and it worked out uh, great time wise So check yeah. that out. You gotta, you know, you gotta wear it. You know what I mean? You former champion, you gotta wear it. A hundred percent, hundred percent. Great bunch of lads. You know, I have to uh, have to represent. So, what's going on in your world? What's up with you lately? I've been very busy. <laughs> it's been it's been a great few months actually. Um, since the uh, we we kind of had a little scare in January with um, a lot of stuff getting cancelled with the COVID pandemic over in Europe. So um, I had like a a really rough month actually with a lot of cancellations. But since then, it's February, March, April, May. It's just been getting busier and busier. So I've had a, a brilliant few months, um, and I'm really looking forward to you know entering the summer. Um, this this last week. Um, I was in uh, Pittsburgh for the first time with PPW, which is a lot of fun. Uh, and on the Wednesday before that, I filmed with AEW, so that was that was pretty cool. Um, so yeah, it's been uh, it's been an interesting uh, it's been an interesting few weeks, shall we say? What did you like uh, about AEW? What was the experience like, really, with AEW? Honestly, like so. AW, it had all the production and all the pomp and circumstance, you know, like WWE. It was like all of the, uh, you know, the crews and everything, you know, what they've done, the, everything backstage, you know, front of house, whatever else, felt very like WWE without the walking on the eggshells and the difficulty with everything else. It was like uh, WWE without the anxiety, <laughs> which was, was very, uh, very unusual, very different. Um, and it was full of familiar faces. I had a very bizarre, uh, every, almost every 20, like 20 minutes or 10 minutes, whatever, I'd run into somebody else who I absolutely adored from. Um, I've met either, you know, through the Indies before WWE, either at WWE itself or even on the Indies after WWE. It was a very unusual experience, but it was awesome. I, 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 have, to, I have to admit. So it was a loss, right, to Sean Spears. I think it was on Rampage, right? I think he's getting me back for for beating him at uh, NXT Orlando, you know, all those years ago. 
Yeah, the Ty Dillinger days. Yeah, no, yep. absolutely. Yep. So how did that all come about, though? How did you kind of get get in there? They just gave you a call, like, "Hey, you're going to be in the area. We want you in," or like, what happened? No, uh, it was about a month beforehand, and they um, they got in touch saying, "Would you be free this day?" And I was like, "Sure, absolutely." Um, and it almost changed to the week before, actually, uh, until uh, then it could change back to the original date. You know, it's the joys of live television. Um, things change here and there. You know, with what happens with uh, with so many moving parts. But uh, no, it was a, a I knew in a while. I, I knew a few weeks beforehand, and obviously I, I kept it uh, kept the cave from even my own friends. So some of the guys who I have uh, you know many group chats with, uh, I kept it very quiet from them. So they were like. <gasps> <laughs> when I yeah, ran into them at diff- different points, so um, because in this industry, you know, it cha- everything changes so much. So, you know, you're you, you're really not sure one day to the next. Um, so you you kind of uh, you kind of guarded in a way, and you you want to make sure that people, um, you know, see you when it's definitely happening, as opposed to hey, this might be happening, and uh, it doesn't. <laughs> you know, especially in my, my younger days in the industry, that that would have happened a lot, but. As uh, over the last 10 years, things have got a lot more professional, things like that. But you still have that little guarded nature, you know what I mean? Absolutely. When they call you and stuff, is it like, hey, we want to bring in for a tryout kind of thing? Because obviously you don't need a tryout. You've been everywhere. Like, like, how do they kind of word it or phrase it? Like one-time deal and like... Honestly, we need you for TV on the, on the Wednesday. So, you know, you're thinking to yourself, could be anything, you know what I mean? Um but like this has been this has been my my career for so long. It's been my, my job for so long that um, you're willing to take any opportunity as it comes, and and that's the the funnest part of it. Wrestling right now is people aren't afraid to 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 take chances and to you know go okay he isn't a part of our crew, but you know let's bring him in, let's see what happens, and you know listen like I was very blessed. I got my my full entrance and everything like that. Like I wasn't sure what was what was going to happen, but um, it, it was a, a fun experience for me, and like it was just. Everything was so quick, which was great. So, um, but I had a, a wonderful day, and it was great seeing so many people, so many friends. You know what I mean? And like, as I said to you before, like it was almost like the least anxiety I've had on a TV day, um, wow. and yet it was probably the most. It, just so much talent there. Like it was brilliant. I was watching some of the matches beforehand. I'm like, oh my god! And the crowd. It, it honestly felt like a takeover crowd or something like that. And like when I was speaking to like uh, some of the lads from Undisputed Air and stuff like that, they're like, yeah, this is us every week. And I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> different atmosphere, right? Like uh, it's different than than elsewhere like, that you were. You know, WWE NXT, if you will. Uh, well, I guess like I'm, I'm sure NXT could have been something like that if they if they toured, but insofar as having that in in Florida every week with the, with the same fans, you know they did their best. But like, there's how do you match you know ten thousand people screaming? You know it, it's it's impossible. Uh, whereas on Raw or SmackDown, because they're much longer shows and, and they're conditioned to to, to be a, a very different audience, um, you know, so you're not ex- you're not expecting that except for maybe a pay-per-views or something, you know what I mean? Um, so it was just amazing to see that, like, up, up close and personal and how excited the, the fans were for everything. It was amazing, actually. Um, and I can see, you know, you know, I'm almost jealous of the lads and ladies who get to get to work in front of that every week. Yeah, man, their crowds are like, it's just crazy. You could say it's 6,000, 8,000, whatever it is, it doesn't matter, like, how many people the, the – the decibels or whatever you want to call it, that the, how loud they are is, is it never changed. It's always at that high level. It's brilliant because listen, we've went through a period where, you know, we, we almost have fans who, who maybe are sitting on their hands a bit more or, um, you know, 
almost in st- studying what's in front of them instead of getting lost in it. So it's it's always brilliant when we get an opportunity, wherever I am, you know, you get an opportunity to work in front of fans who just want to enjoy themselves. And, and you see that, you know, in front of the AW crowd, like they were there for the time of their life and they got it. Do you think that is a huge problem with some of the business? It's the, not the wrestlers. Like, it could be the fans. They're critiquing, they're watching, they're studying, but they're not, like you said, they're not getting lost in it like they used to. I mean, I it's not that it's a problem per se, you know, because like society has changed. You know what I mean? I know that people go to movies and, and go in there with a, with a negative mindset and know that, like, almost try not to enjoy themselves and um i, I guess we we have an element of that too because we have people who are so interested in wrestling that they only want things to go the way that's in their head um and they, they don't enjoy it if it doesn't go that way you know and i get it like you know it's a difficulty it, it's it's something that wasn't prevalent 20 years ago you know 30 years ago you know the, the, you just lapped up what was in front of you um and i get it you know the guy that you want doesn't win or the girl that you want isn't holding a title or whatever else you know that that's i get it but it'll get to there <laughs> it's just it just might not happen for you today it might, it might happen for you in six months or in a year you know um and like it, it's just so interesting sometimes when you you see it the opposite when people just go there to have a good time and there's been indies that i've been on where just people have just uh it's you know i'm almost blown away by people enjoying themselves because it hasn't been like that for a while, and, and and I guess it might be the same at certain you know certain other sports or, or certain other activities, whatever else. I noticed it in soccer, like over the last um, ten years, you it used to be you know vociferous like at almost all times, but then you started seeing like certain stadiums, people would actually be sitting studying what's in front of them as opposed to like reacting to it. Um, and I've been in that position. Like I, I'm a, a lifelong Man United supporter. And I remember, um, you know, I, I briefly had a season ticket and I, I watched a lot of games live uh, in the stadium in Old Trafford in Manchester. And, and I, I remember there was a period I'd be studying what was going in front of me instead of just trying to, you know, to enjoy as it was happening. So I like, so I have been at that period. So I do understand it. Um, you know, it's something I've been obsessed with outside of wrestling. You know what I mean? It's like my number one hobby. So I guess that what it, that's what it must be like for for somebody who's this is their their only hobby. You know what I mean? Um, and they'll like or they'll dislike certain things, and and that's it. You know. Um, but honestly, when when you get people who are just there to have a good time, it, it's mind blowing. It, it's so much fun, and and I, it was noticeable on Wednesday. It's fine. I was literally with my son. We were watching Sonic the Hedgehog 2. And I almost had that mindset where it's like, I'm like studying. I'm like, oh, like, you know, I, I liked it. It was, it was very good. It was, it was enjoyable. But like to watch my son's reaction, like, you know, popping for stuff, going crazy. Like, oh, he did that. Oh, like crazy. And, you know, he's only six, but still, like, he's going nuts for stuff. It's like, oh, man, I wish I had that enthusiasm for stuff. Like, you know, I'm like watching and studying. I'm like, oh, Jim Carrey, great line there. You know, I'm like watching and stuff. And, <laughs> And I mean, I wish I was more like him, where you just like, I'm just going to enjoy it and like, oh, this happened. Oh, my God. You know, and really just just fall in love with it. Just lose yourself in it. Well, I, honestly, like you, you kind of nailed it. Like, I'm sure when I was a kid, like I, I was the first to just enjoy whatever was in front of me. And as I've got older, um, you know, or, or beleaguered <laughs> um, with, with certain things. But, you know, I've noticed recently with like Marvel and stuff like that, I've tried to enjoy it a lot more. Um, and just, you know, take it for as it comes. Like, um, because, you know, you get into a period where you're like, oh, I wonder if this is going to happen. No, I want this theory or I want this, you know, whatever else. I've tried to be a bit more like, you know what, I'll just I'll just enjoy what it is. And I, it, honestly, it's a lot easier for me. Uh, <laughs> um, and I've really enjoyed what they've put out for the last while because I, I feel like uh, it's really helped me just 
be what it is, you know, it, 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 as entertainment, as something that I enjoy and, and just, um, you know, that, that something that I've paid to see. So, uh, whereas, you know, I, I see things sometimes people spend 50 to hundred dollars to go and shit on something. It just blows my mind. I, I just don't have that disposable income. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, really. But it's funny with those movies too, cause I was a big comic book guy. I'm like, Oh, they should do the storyline. That And my buddy he just he flat out. was like, listen, they're going to do whatever they want for the movie. Just enjoy the movie. Don't think about other storylines. You're like, Oh, cause that ru completely ruins it. You're like over analyzing it. Absolutely. And there's a reason why they've chosen the story. You know what I mean? Like there's, you know, these things have been tested in front of sample audiences and all that kind of crap as well. There's stuff that we actually don't even think about, you know what I mean? Um, but, like, I know that, like, years ago, like, with with the way the old X-Men was and stuff like that, it didn't really follow anything that any of us knew from, you know, I followed the cartoons when I was a kid. Other people yeah. read the comics, you know, and none of it is close to any of it. So, you know, it, you're not sure whether to like it or hate it, you know what I mean? Um, but I know that, like, for example, with The Boys, the TV show that came out recently, like, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the comic. I, I'm, a, I'm not a big comic book guy at all, um, but Garth Ennis is a, is a Northern Irish writer, and he wrote The Boys, uh, and his sense of humor just completely is exactly what I love. Uh, and uh, obviously being Northern Irish, um, and, like, I adored the comic book, and I actually love that the TV show has went in a different direction from the comic. It's made it a lot more fun, because I don't know what's going to happen next. Um, don't get me wrong, like, you know, they've made little hints here and there that this is going to happen or that's going to happen. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe they're going to do that. But that's awesome. Um, but, yeah, honestly, so being able to switch off has, has helped a lot. And I think it's it's given me what I wanted is just to be entertained. Man, I love that show. Homelander is the best. What an awesome character. Like, who would think, like, this true blue American guy, you know, he's such a phony, but he's the most powerful guy in the universe. Like, it's such a, like, conundrum, but it, it's so good, so well-written. He's, like, oh, the most complex What if Superman was a dick, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. And he just, just killed people just like that. You're like, whoa, where did that come from? Like, he just doesn't like anybody. It's great. No, oh, it's incredible. It's incredible. It's been a lot of fun to watch. And like, it's so funny because like they interact sometimes with us, you know, on the, on the Twitter or whatever else. Uh, and Nikki's became this massive fan of the boys. So it's been, it's been fun. Uh, you know, all the gifts and everything else, every time one of their, their mad fucking scenes happens and, you know, we're posting it to each other or whatever else. So no, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. Um, and I, as I say, like, you know, at a time when like superhero culture is massive, you know, it's really like ingratiated in what people like from all ages, which, you know, it never used to be that way. Um, and because like it's, it's achieved this following to have this anti version of superheroes has been incredible. It's almost like, it's like a parody, but in a really awful way. <laughs> Yeah, but it's it's so well written and it's so well done. Like you think, like oh, it's gonna be some corny superhero thing. It's like the exact opposite. It's really dark and gritty and disturbed. I mean, really good stuff. Oh, it's only going to get worse from what I hear. So, <laughs> wow, uh, it's some of the stuff Homelander does. It's just like I can't believe he, you know, I can't believe this hero, quote unquote, would do stuff like that. You know, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But uh, no one. What happened in the comic is really interesting, and because they've went a different direction, it means you have no idea. Like you know, for for those of us who followed it, we have no idea what's next, and that's there's something beautiful about that. You know what I mean? Yeah, you got to leave it open. You you don't want to know. You know, no spoilers, stuff like that. Speaking of superheroes, though, Nikki Ash, your wife, do you kind of like the direction where she's going? She's almost going a little Homelander-ish. She's not really being a superhero anymore. <laughs> 
I think she she would do a very good job if they really wanted her to go full Homelander. Um, yeah, honestly, like I, uh, you know, I love the the Nikki A.S.H. character, and I was gutted that they turned it so quickly. Um, I think there was a, a lot more to go with uh, with the babyface uh, route, um, but you know that's the joys of television. You know, you know if they need something different, then they they go with it. Um, and like you know what, I know that Nikki will slot in wherever she needs to. You know, she can do whatever they need. Um, and yeah, it's been fun watching the journey. You know, it's. It's one of those things, it's, <sighs> everything moves so fast on TV in comparison, you know what I mean? Like, if we really look back to the to the, the beautiful times of, of pro wrestling, um, <laughs> most storylines were done within three months, but they felt like forever because I was young, you know what I mean? Yes, um, yes. And, and I, need, I need to remember that sometimes, you know? Yes. Um, but yeah, I think for, for her, I'm just looking forward to seeing what's next. Like, um, you know, the stuff with Dewdrop, like her and Dewdrop both started a week apart at the same school. Um, in the same city uh, 14 years ago so it's very cool to see them on screen together like they both had like they both started in the same place but went on different directions different journeys and there's something really cool especially for me and for a lot of the guys back home you know seeing them like actually pairing up and and, and doing stuff on screen I'm looking forward to them maybe getting more promo time together and I know that like Nikki uh, let let the writing team know and, and and the you know the creative team above them let them all know like their, their shared history and um, they're not just two people from the same country they're two people who have a very very specific <laughs> shared history um and it, it's yeah. been very cool to see them get a bit of time on together and like for both of them it'll be it'll be a lot of fun do you think i know you're kind of saying that it ended too soon for that they give me do you think that that is what happens too much in wrestling like they oh, they gave up on that too quick or they you know maybe he could have had longer better creative for for, for nikki really as a baby face I think they just overanalyze everything, um, and that that's that is the, the that is the number one problem with, with with all of us right now is we overanalyze everything, um, and it's just one of those things. I feel I know for a fact that they didn't get the merchandise out uh, until she'd actually like it was all primed and ready to go, but it didn't get released until after she'd lost the belt. So I mean, like you never got a a fair representation of, of how she was actually doing as as a babyface. So. But that's, you know, that that's neither here nor there. Like, you know, she had a great experience, had a great summer. It was a lot of fun. She got chances to do things, that, you know, we never we never thought were possible when we started way back when, you know what I mean? Like, when her and Dewdrop started in 2008, who'd have known that all these years later, Nikki would, would be a, a women's champion in the biggest company on the planet? And was that, like, her creation, the actual, like, character and the look? Was that all her? Uh, absolutely. I mean, like her idea for the the superhero. Obviously, I, I had a a couple of nudges here and there, but we actually created like really cool costumes. But they wanted them stripped down. They wanted them to be the costumes to be a little more simpler, because if it was too cool, if it was too Marvel, it would be harder to tell the story of like the the almost superhero aspect of it. You know what I mean? And because she's, she doesn't have powers, so she can't fucking fly right. around. So, <laughs> so they wanted to strip back and like so that would the. The creative team there actually like um, got involved with the actual costume itself, but in terms of everything else, it was Nikki who brought the dossier to Vince McMahon um, and went directly to him. And then a couple of months later, it was it was him who said, "Okay, you're you're what you've got. There's great. Let's do it." And, and they did. So it was one of the coolest things. I know it, it inspired a lot of people in the company um, who you know maybe were sitting waiting or, or were having issues and whatever else. You know who then went directly to him and gave him professional pitches. And, and you're seeing some of them on TV now, which is great. 
Yeah, that's kind of I would like ballsy, but you know what I mean. That that shows some. It was dumpster. ballsy for a well, five foot ballsy, Scottish yeah. woman. It was very ballsy, and yeah. and like, listen, I know a bunch of guys who who never did. You know what I mean? Like, um, and, and it's one of those things. It's like some people think it, they don't have to. Some people trust the process, which is true as well. Like, and and I I totally get that. You know, you, you think. You know, it's it's somebody else has been paid to do the creative, so I, I totally understand why why people trust the process. But Nikki was like, "No, I, I think I've got a great idea, and I'm going to go directly to the top." And fair play to her. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess ballsy would be a great word because it's like not a lot of people would do that, or they just feel like you know timid or maybe intimidated, maybe by Vince. I, I think it's less intimidation and more like there is there is a, a structure in place, um, and it's one of those things. You know, it's. You're technically, you know, you, you you have a writer, you and then that writer has a as a a leader and stuff like that. Like there is a, a structure, um. But sometimes if you want to get shit done, you have to go right to the top. And like you know, fair play to her, she made that decision, uh, and thankfully it worked. So as far as kind of you know, the Nikki Ash could be a heel, could be maybe a homeland character. But do you think that just in general though, do you think like that superhero character like? shouldn't be a heel like or, or do you are you cool with it well at the end of the day like it, it doesn't matter like she can make it work she was best known as a villain on the indies you know this is the thing like we've never even got her close to the nikki storm character the entire time in double like that my, my i think my favorite thing is if she does go more like homelander she'll be actually really close to what nikki storm was on the independence so you actually might maybe it might actually be her best work um but it'll be interesting like either way like listen like I think Nikki can make anything work, whether it's heel face, tweener, or everything else, because you know she's one of those people who puts everything into it. She still trains every week, still still gives a shit, and and you can see that when she tries. Um, she's been working hard on trying to like perfect her in ring rest, and she's been in a lot more technical stuff with us recently in training. And um, so I'm excited to see what, what what comes next. Like whether it's three minutes or thirty, she's going to give her best. So. Now, just going back to you, of course, I, mean, I wanted to mention this and kind of ask you, AEW, is that still on the table for a return or, or you have no idea? It's open, obviously, but do you have any idea? Of, absolutely. Anything could happen at, at any point. Like, um, for we we had great terms and, and I had a great experience and everybody there was so enthusiastic. So you never know um, if it happens. Great. If it doesn't happen, then at least I had a cool experience. So uh, for me, I, I wasn't sure if AEW was ever going to be on the table because they were the one company who, who never really got in touch when I, when I first got released. Um, I don't know, like if I'd heard it, maybe it was because I, I was having um, status issues when I first got released. Um, but like at the same time, you know, you, you just start thinking to yourself, well, I'll go and I'll do whatever I can elsewhere. Um, and maybe that opportunity can come one day and there you go, you know, months later, it did actually happen and it was a very cool experience. And uh, if it happens again, fantastic. Um, as I said, like the team there was full of people who I hadn't seen in years or, or some who I've, I've been on shows with recently or, um, or, or people who like I, are in my, my own text groups that I speak to every day. So um, it was quite a mix for me and it, it was actually very awesome. So as, as I said, like if it happens, uh, fantastic. Um, and if it doesn't, well, I had a great experience. So I was talking to a wrestling buddy of mine. I won't say his name because I don't know if he wants to know that people know it's not. But I was saying like, oh, I can't believe they brought in Big Damo and he lost. Like he lost to Sean Spears. And he was like, no, that's it's okay because it's national exposure. It's TV. And I'm like, you know, I'm thinking like a Mark or like a wrestling fan. It's like, no, he shouldn't lose on TV. It's like, 
no, like that's a good thing because W. Morrissey did the same thing. He came in, he lost to Wardlow, but he looked good. You know what I mean? Physically, oh, he looked great. Looked yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's one of those things. Listen, it's it's one of those things though. Like I could I I, I could say no, you know, to the booking and, and and maybe it never comes up again. You know what I mean? Like, yep. uh, but for me, like for me, this is this is the best job in the world. And if the job is to to if it's four seconds um then i'll do the four seconds as best i can if, if it's 30 minutes then oh my god but i'll do my best you know what i mean yeah. um because listen i i grew up my entire life from i was four years old i wanted to be a pro wrestler from i was 15 i decided that this is what i want to do um i i went out of my way to find schools i moved countries i i went all over europe to try and get better until the point where i was literally uh, i was struggling to get any better and then i i finally met the right people who gave me the kick in the ass that I needed. I, I made my way to America. I got it to Dublin. Um, and then like, you know, I had some of the best experiences of my life there. And now on the other side, like, you know, you get a chance to do something like that on, on national TV with this incredible roster, this, this in, incredible place, like, um, in front of this amazing crowd in Houston. Um, and like, you know, yes, sure. People might say you lost whatever else. It was a short match, whatever. Uh, and I'll say, well, at the end of the day, I, I had a hell of an experience. Uh, I had something that I, I'd never done before. Um, and you never know, you know, what could happen in the future. Um, and, like, it's one of those things for me, like, um, I, I want to experience as much as I possibly can because we're only on this earth for a very short time. And, like, if I say no to everything, then then who knows what will happen to me. You know what I mean? Uh, so I'm one of those people, like, if, if, I'm, if my job is to go in and just put somebody over, then I'll put them over as best I can. <laughs> It's funny, like you and Morrissey, like, okay, you guys are on TV, you guys get the loss, but the internet's a buzz, like you're out there, like guys your size don't grow on trees either, especially wrestling anymore, forget it. You're definitely, easily one of, one of the bigger guys. So it's one of the things where like, okay, you're back on radars, you know what I mean? You're, you're national scale, you're back on the radar. So I, I think in the end, like me thinking like, oh, should he have lost? It's like, doesn't really matter because you're kind of back out there, you know what I mean? Really on a national level. At the end of the day, like if, if you look at the likes of MMA and everything else, everybody loses now, you know what I mean? So there's a very few places in the world, maybe Floyd Mayweather is the only person who can walk away with an undefeated record. Uh, everybody else in every other sport loses. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is true, pretty much, yeah. Yep. And Floyd is now taking weird exhibition fights against guys that he, he's just destroying. But hey, I guess listen. He can do what he wants. You know, he was, he's proved himself as probably the best technical boxer of all time. He may not be the most fun to watch, but uh, he, he earned every one of those 50 wins. So, Yeah, yep, can't, can't knock it. So with you, though, when you first, like, get into the business, are you always a huge fan? Are you dying to be a wrestler? Are you dying to get into the business? So as I said, like you know, I, I was a fan of this from four years old. But when I when I really started making like thoughts about trying to plan out like getting into this at fifteen, sixteen, I was like, okay, I'll finish school at eighteen years old. I'll, I'll move to Scotland. I'll pick up a a school there. And um, then I get I get to Scotland. I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to start looking for better schools. I'm going to have to looking for better coaches. Looking for better seminars. Uh, and then you start getting work. And then you're like, okay, I need to try and extend my work elsewhere. You know that that's 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 the way you see it. You know, like it starts as a hobby. Uh, sorry, it starts as as uh, like a passion, I guess, or an idea. Then it becomes a hobby. It becomes a part time job. It becomes a full time job. Then it becomes your career. You know what I mean? And at at one point, it engulfed my entire life. Um, you know, where 
gee, I, I, I was watching 40 to 60 hours of wrestling a week while still wrestling multiple times a weekend. I realized that was too much. And, you know, that is my first year in, in WWE, like, you know, you were in ring five days a week. It was insane. And then we were watching Raw, SmackDown, TNA, whatever was on TV. Like, um, and I had, you know, New Japan World came out. So I was obsessed with that anyway. And then I'd be watching whatever old wrestling that I, that I possibly get my hands on. So, you know, it was one of those things where, like, that was too much, you know what I mean? And, you, you know, you had to back that off. That's why I'm kind of following soccer a lot more. It's become a, a really good hobby for me, a, good, a really good release to get a, you know, away from wrestling. Um, so I can enjoy wrestling more when I watch it or when I do it. I think there was a little period where I was just a bit too engulfed in it, you know what I mean? Um, because I, I had this weird mentality i was like no you need to be you know spent 40 to 60 hours a week of wrestling uh, or more um because you know this is what you want to be and this is what you want to do but you know the, the, there is a thing is such a thing as burnout and i think everybody feels it at some point um i'm sure if i watched 40 to 60 hours a week of marvel or reading comics i'd fucking hate it by the end <laughs> yeah true yeah yeah it's too much it's, it's too much is there guys that you really like when you're growing up like oh i, I love this guy like, he's my favorite or guys you really gravitated towards absolutely uh, like but it changed as i got older i mean when i was when i was four i loved sting sting was my my hero it was then it was ultimate warrior or it was hogan or, or whoever you know what i mean and but as like my brain started you know changing up at what i liked watching and things like that and like you know 14 to 16 i was obsessed with technical wrestling like so you know <laughs> Literally, like your your Malenko's, your Lance Storms, your um, you know, anybody who was who was like Bret Hart. Oh my God! Like there was just so many I was really into, um, and then like as I got into wrestling, you start to realize like how good like the sound of Shawn Michaels is and stuff like that, and and then I think the realization that like who engulfed all of that was actually Fit Finley because he, he was brilliant at everything. And I only realized that as I got, I got older and, you know, I'd be watching like the old world of sport and stuff like that. And, or you, you I remember him from WCW. I remember and then there he is now on WWE TV and like, it, it was crazy. Uh, and then I started really studying fit and like, you know, first of all, I loved him as a kid because he was from Northern Ireland. You know, he was from five miles away from where I grew up. So I was like, holy shit, if he can do it, shit, if I work hard enough, this could happen. Um, and then when you really start to watch him, you're like, oh, my God, he's, he can do literally everything brilliantly, whether it's heel or face or whatever else. He's just everything looks believable. His technical abilities outmatched. Um, and it's funny now, you know. Having worked with him now as a as a producer and as a coach, I got I got in the ring with him as well when he was coaching, and um, and you're like, oh my god, he's actually way better than I realized. <laughs> so I think like you know over the over these years, there's been so many different people who have influenced me in so many different ways, and um, and then as it became a big man, you know, I obviously became obsessed with the likes of Samoa Joe, the Vaders, uh, the Bam Bam Bigelow. Like like I'm actually underselling so many like, but there was just like it's laughable like how many great influences there are now because we've got the access to the internet and stuff like that. You can literally watch anything you want. That's why, that's why I got obsessed with wrestling, you know, as I was talking about those 40 to 60 hours of watching, because you suddenly have everything available to you, which, you know, when I was a kid, you know, we had the tape trade or we had the, we had the hope that you can catch the show on TV or, or, or whatever else. Um, and like now it's, it's so different. Like, you know, we're, we live in a really impatient society. We want everything here and we want it now. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's what you can do. If I, if I really want to find a match, I'll find that match. You know what I mean? Um, but it's so cool. Like, as I said, spending all that time with fit and realizing how good he is, you know, and the beauty of knowing that, like, we, we grew up from, you know, so far, like close to each other, um, obviously different time periods, different eras. Um, but like that, that was a hell of a, you know, set of shoes to, to follow in, uh, sorry, a set of footprints to follow in. Um, and honestly, like if, if I can end my career at 25%, the level 
like he is, then I'll be very proud of that. <laughs> yeah. He's so damn good. He's so, almost somehow like undervalued, I feel like. You know what I mean? Like he was so good, people almost didn't realize. Like you said, you inside like, the, like how great he was. Inside the industry, he he's, he's not undervalued. I think it's just, you know, by the time he was in Dudley, he was a little older. You know what I mean? So he knew what his his role was. He was there to try and make people look good. You know, his first feud when he came back to Dudley was just with Bobby Lashley and really helped Lashley became or sorry, become the wrestler he, he was going to be, you know? Um, and that's the thing about fit. Like, you know, I wonder if, if 20, 20 years younger fit at that time would have been a megastar because everywhere else he went in the world, he was, you know what I mean? So it'd have been really interesting, you know, what would have happened, but that's the, the old what ifs for everybody else. But well, the beauty is now he is in the performance center. You know, people are getting to learn under him. I know that Braun Breaker recently was saying how important he's been for him. You know, he's like a Yoda for him, which is pretty cool. Um, you know, for me, like getting to work with fit was, was, outrageous you know i never thought it would happen um and i was so blessed that i got to to be produced by him and then be trained trained under him and like you know getting to watch his kids wrestle now is really cool i'm on shows with them and stuff like that and i'm thinking holy shit these guys are going to be good <laughs> yeah when you're you're like coming along though and obviously you're getting into business the european scene is that really kind of starting to kick off? Because it seems like when you're kind of really getting your foot wet or getting your feet wet, it seems like the European scene is starting to really kick off. So there was a period where I think the recession hit the end of uh, 2008, 2009, and uh, there was this massive tumble, like there was a dive, because we, we had had a couple of really big promotions leading up to that. Um, and even like your average building was doing pretty good business. And then suddenly that all just went to shit. And like, I remember... 50 people in a crowd was a good day. Um, and that, that was a couple of years that, that were tight. They were hard. Um, and then after about 2012, you just noticed things were just starting to get a little bit better. ICW had really like kind of started pushing forward. Progress down in, in London were really like, they, they, they had something they were going to try and do. Rev Pro moved away from IPW and, and Rev Pro started like saying, well, you know what we're going to do? We're going to do this. We're going to choose this idea. Um, and then OTTs like formed over in Ireland. So suddenly that you've got these four kind of companies and there's a few others i'm missing out a few as well um but those were the kind of leading four um and like at that point there was a lot of us coming through we're eight years in we're nine years in we're 10 years in and suddenly it all clicks we're all suddenly resting each other you know we were all in different uh, regions um and suddenly we're all in the same shows and then boom it just explodes from there i remember like that rev pro roster like uh, Andy Quilden would choose maybe five or six guys and you put them against Japanese talents or American talents and and that was it that was that, that was going to happen they were, they were going to get their, their their big kind of push and it worked for all of us I, I remember like it was Osprey Marty myself Zach um and like all of us went on to, to great things <laughs> and it was like wow when I really look at that it was like shit you know good job Andy <laughs> um and then like you know progress and, and ICW had you know, these incredibly talented rosters as well. And um, ICW, like I remember at one point, I think with, with NXT, NXT UK, um, even like some of the American companies, TNA, Ring of Honor, whatever else, were cherry picking a bunch of us. Uh, and like there, there must have been a part where ICW was like, oh shit, what are we going to do now? Because, you know, maybe 10, 15 people all got, got taken from that roster. And that's, 
that's amazing when you think about it. And, and that's, that's how quick it rose and, and how well it rose because, you know, all of us, you know, had just all came together at that time. Um, and, you know, we knew that there was something special. Uh, Drew Galloway got, got released into Dublin and he, he was able to maybe lead us to that next level. Um, and there was the likes of, you know, Fergal Devitt was, was doing, doing bets in New Japan. He, he was, you know, became the, the IWGP junior heavyweight champion and stuff. And then he's coming back and he's working with us and he's, he's giving us seminars and stuff like that. Um, you've got Robbie Brookside who, who started his own school down there in Leicester before he got snapped up by NXT himself. So, you know, there was all these influences that, that, you know, I was suddenly being, being privy to. Um, and I'm like, Oh shit, you know, I'm getting new information and, and, and getting that kick up the ass that I needed. Um, and then I was able to help, you know, some of the younger lads coming through at the same time. So honestly, by, by 2015, it just exploded. You know, we're, we're putting thousands of people in a building and um, we're, we're putting on great shows. We're putting on shows comparable to everywhere else, like in the world, which is mental. Um, ICW put you know, something like six or 8,000 people in a building. Um, Progress put, I think, three or 4,000 people in a building. OTT was putting two odd thousand people in a building. And you're like, okay, that's, that's incredible. That is outrageous. You know, the, Rev Pro were regularly selling out the York Hall, which is an old boxing venue and stuff, which, you know, d d just realize, you know, it, I kind of realized there and then I was like, we're on to something super special here. And so many of the boys there at the time all went on to, to even bigger and better things. But yeah, that, that little boom period from maybe about 2012 to 2016 was a pleasure to be a part of. Um, it just felt like it was only getting better week on week. Um, there was a period where I was turning down so much work. It was, it, I felt that serious wow. guilt because previously I didn't, I wasn't turning down work. You know what I mean? Um, there was, there was a period in 2009 where you were struggling to get work, you know, you know, you, you were hoping for the best. Um, and then by, by 2015, it was like, um, you know, people are getting mad at you because you can't do any of their dates. And you're like, I'm so sorry, but I'm so busy. Um, we would do these tours of the ICW it would be all over, all over the UK, which it was, it was, we were literally like a, a touring rock band. It was insane. Um, you know, like <laughs> progress was just, it, it just was exploding. Like, and I, I wasn't even a main, main player in progress. I, I was a bit part player for progress, but anytime I went back, it was like, boom, there's like, there's, there's a hundred more fans. There's, there's 200 more fans, there's 500 more fans. Oh my God, it's a bigger venue. It, it's this, that, the other. Um, and it, it just, it got insane for a while. I remember like I hadn't done an awful lot with OTT. I'd done a few bits here and there. Then I went back once and it was just, oh my God, I, I just couldn't believe it. The crowd were just insane. Like they were there for everything. They, whether it was comedy, whether it was serious, whether it was aggressive, you know, whether it was tag team, they were just there for everything and they, they loved everything they were being served. And like, it was, it was such an incredible time. We were spoiled, you know, and then for the one, the younger ones coming in behind us, they got to learn from our mistakes. Uh, and then suddenly they're in front of all these people at such an early time in their career. So, you know, suddenly your, your Pete Dunn's and stuff like that, you know, are, are exploding onto the scene. Like, uh, yeah. and it was just like, it was amazing to watch. Like, I remember like I wrestled Pete Dunn when he was like 14 or 15 years old or something like that in like 2009 and then fast forward like six, seven years and he's a man now and he's absolutely incredible. So, <laughs> and the, but that, that's what kept happening. Then like behind him, then there was Tyler Bate. He's this, I met him, he's 16 years old and he's, he's utterly insanely good. And then like you saw what him and, him and Pete ended up doing in, in Chicago, I think in like 2017 and it helped 
revolutionize uh, what what NXT wanted to be, you know. Um, so it's just so crazy. That whole period, like, um, was just amazing, um, and like so many success stories and so many people came out of it. Like, um, and honestly, like when I look back, you're like, you know. The hope is to try and get the scenes up to that level again. And I know with OTT, they just put 2,000 people in a building. They're going to do it again shortly. So I'm really you know, excited for the Irish scene. Seems to be like ready to go. Um, ICW in Scotland seems to be ready to get going again. And I know Progress are really pushing right now. We've got a super strong style at the start of June. And I know that it's going to be huge. Um because they're going back to the ballroom, which is one of their their older venues that, you know, that, that's where it really first happened for them. Uh, I know ICW has got Shug's House Party at the end of July, and it's going to be one of their biggest shows. And, you know, this is the thing, like, it, traditionally we used to not have shows during the summer, uh, and now we've got all these massive shows. <laughs> so <laughs> um, so it, it is really cool. And, they, and, you know, they say that British wrestling's on a bit of a downturn, um, and then I've just rhymed off all these these things that are happening. So uh, I know the Rev Pro just got back into to the York Hall again and, and filled it out. So yeah, like honestly, like I'm very excited for the future. I'm really happy for British wrestling and Irish wrestling, I see, because you know there was a period where yes, a lot of guys did get get moved on go over 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 to America and and Japan. Um, but now there's a lot of great young talent coming through who've who've had to step up and and they they really have. You know they, they've. They've taken those those spots, taken those places, and and it's going to be very exciting. Like, you know how good they can get because they can learn from all of our mistakes. So. <laughs> yeah, next man up, though, right? Next man up, you got to fill that spot. That's it. And honestly, that's that's the way this this industry survives. So, with you, is that how you get noticed by WB and NXT? They notice <laughs> you from like Rev Pro and, and stuff. Is that is that basically how you get signed? So I, I think, like, obviously me being, like, this big hairy troll probably helped um, because I, I was the only person who looked like that at the time. Um, I saw a gap in the market. I, I One of the ICW commentators, Billy Kirkwood, he called me the Beast of Belfast, and I was like, shit, that's, that is the light bulb that went off. It was exactly what I needed at the time. I needed – I was pushing to try and think, I need, I need something. I need, like, a – like a an angle, I, need, I needed something that I wanted to go with, and because he said that, I was like, "That was it. That's what I needed." So you know, I, I stopped shaving my, you know, my body and everything else. I let my beard grow a bit longer. I let my hair grow longer, and I was like, "Shit, this is what I'm going to go with." Because I was already big; I was 300 pounds. You know, I was, I was doing strongman stuff at that point, um, and I kind of realized, you know, I was kind of hiding that. I was wearing singlets and stuff like that. I was trying to almost keep it like hidden, um, and then I realized, no shit, I go the opposite way. You know, start wearing the trunks, and I look as big as as humanly possible um and like it, it helped because it was exactly what i was trying to do in ring at the time worked with what i was trying to do out of the ring like like how i was looking sorry not out of the ring but how i was trying to present myself and it all kind of clicked together and that was you know i think that was 2012 or 2013 and like yeah eventually like don't of course you know you know they want to try to get us all in for tryouts in 2015 or something uh, and i i got told no um and that was the thing that they they weren't uh, they weren't interested and i was like okay but they had me cut a promo um and i uh you know i actually really enjoyed in promos which is hilarious i got you know I, I cut a really good promo for them, right? Uh, I talked more about my experiences growing up in Belfast. Um, you know, I grew up in the middle of a civil war, which happens, you know, for a bunch of people all across the world. But, you know, I, I use that as part of a of a, of a kind of cool wrestling story and um, drawn on my real existence, you know, and, and they really dug it. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, so William Regal stayed in touch with me after then. Um, they were signing Shinsuke Nakamura and they needed footage. 
they used a match that Shinsuke Nakamura and I had for Rev Pro um, for his entire video. <laughs> <laughs> his entire hype video uh, and I guess they realised oh shit there is something there with this guy um, and so you know I had Regal who obviously like was, was you know tried to put my name forward after you know I cut those promos for him and um, then having that match that you know put me right in front of them. They were literally we were screaming them in the face. Um, and then I'm doing well. Like, I'm getting, I'm, you know, I'm speaking to New Japan. I'm speaking to, you know, I've got dates lined up for TNA, you know, the, the following January and stuff like that. And they're, they're like, suddenly they, I get an email that says, uh, oh, can you come down and see us in uh, Manchester? You know, I was like, oh, shit. It's very different than what it was the last time. Um, and I'm like, okay, sure. You know, I'm still not quite sure if it means just a basic tryout or, or whatever else. And then, like, because normally they would they would room you, um, they they would room us in uh, alphabetical order and stuff like that, and you would have to make your own way there. But you know, they they flew me down. I was like, okay, that's interesting. They've roomed me with with uh, a fella called Dom. Tom Butchrin, as you may know, is Malachi Black. So the two of us have very, our names are very far apart from each other. So I was like, okay, we're, we're rooming together. Uh, so it was all very different from, from the outset. And then they, they put Tommy and I in a match together, um, like five, six minute match, whatever. And they signed us both. So I guess it was, you know, they, they had a fair idea of, of what they wanted leading into that. Um, but yeah, it was, I think it was just, you know, I, I caught fire at the right time. Um, I, uh, while they were looking, they started looking at the independents, they started realizing that the British wrestling was, was exploding, uh, European wrestling was exploding, sorry, because there was also WXW in Germany and a bunch of others as well that, that we were all working for, you know. Um, so there was just so many things all happening at the same time, and they were like, take that guy, the big Irish guy looks like a troll, we'll take the, the kickboxing tattooed guy, and, you know, there was, I'm sure there was a, a bunch of others that they, that they took around that period, or, or at least the year after, or whatever else, um, because they were like, you know, we've decided that we, we do trust the independents, and <laughs> we will try something like that, yeah. um, and honestly, you know, then, fast forward a couple of years after that, and they've, they've, they've got an agreement with ICW, they've got an agreement with WXW, they've got an agreement with Progress, and, and then it's, it's all they create NXT UK and all these things. So like just so much happened over that, that, that period. But it was for us, it was a massive pat in the back because it was a testament that what we did worked. What we did was, was, was good because it got so good. that WWE wanted a part of it. So, I mean, biggest company in the world was suddenly watching everything that we did. Um, we would have their scouts to be at almost all of our shows, you know, and it was, it was pretty cool because like that, you know, we thought, if we rewind to the 10 years before that, we couldn't have been further from anybody's mind. <laughs> right. And and now they're taking all the talent too. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're scooping all the guys up. Absolutely. But you know, the beauty is that created all these spots for so many people. And yes, there might've been a couple of down years in terms of um, maybe the houses went down, but like, there's a there's a whole crop of guys coming through right now who are really fucking good. So, uh, and I've I've been very blessed that I've managed to see a lot of them um, in the last few years. So sorry, in the last few months, sorry. And uh, the coolest part is, you know, you know, WWE's kind of going through a weird thing where they're maybe not gonna gonna sign indie guys for a little bit. So there might be a two or three year period. It'll cycle again. Of course it will. It'll go yeah. back to every every couple of years they change their mind. Well, every every Monday they change their mind on everything, but you know, every, every couple of years they change their mind on, on their, their strategy and whatever else. So it could mean if we get three years with these kind of rosters, then we're going to have this boom again, all over again. So who actually ends up signing you? And then like, do they tell you, ah, eh, we're probably going to change your name. 
So the the I, I got it was Canyon Seaman who emailed me directly after the tryout. I remember the one of the times when I told you they said no to me. I got an email about fuck. It must have been like six weeks later or something like that. Said no, nah, we're not interested. Um, this time I got an email like hours later, um, and um, they were like, oh, we're interested and blah blah blah. Um, and like at that point. I was I had all this stuff lined up all across the world, and I'm like, I'm going to need you to, to to be a bit more than tell me you're interested. You know what I mean? And then eventually, well, I say eventually, but in a very short period after that, I was like, okay, we're going to start the visa process. Blah 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 blah. We're sending you the contract and all that kind of stuff. But the visa process takes forever um, coming out of Ireland and and uh, coming out of Europe in total. So I didn't actually start until oh my god, like about 11 months after they actually signed me. So I, I worked wow. on the Indies for a long time um, in between that period. I had my medical, I had my medical about, God, eight months or something after. Like, so it was crazy when I really think about it. So I, I knew for a long time I was signed. I didn't really tell anybody until, um, until I really, really had to, you know what I mean? Because you, you, you're still like, like this this seems too good to be true you know this is a long period and stuff like that so but then i had to start telling people and then like you know word gets around and whatever else but like um i remember like you know i started doing a lot of stuff for like walk culture and all that kind of stuff um while you know i, I knew i was i was on my way out there so it was it was hilarious so i was at least able to try and help that company like kind of rise as, as they were doing their thing and um because they knew like yeah he'll be leaving by October or whatever it is so you know I did a, a couple of feuds and stuff like that with people and you know I, I had a great time with that and um, I wrapped everything up with ICW and Rev Pro and all these kind of things so um, and then like that was it you know I get there I'm there for oh god I think I was there for a couple of weeks and, and Sawyer Fulton gets hurt Sawyer Fulton gets hurt um, and they're like we need you in insanity um, and I hadn't even spoke to them about a name because as far as I was aware I was going to debut at they were going to do a tournament in britain you know the the precursor to nxc uk was the, yep. the 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 british tournament and i was like okay so I'll, which is a few months away or whatever i'm like okay so i'll debut there and whatever else um but no boom i'm on i'm on tv um they're calling me demo on television i was like oh shit that's pretty cool i got to keep my name um I did that for a couple of weeks, and then they were like, okay, we want to change your name. It was a writer came to me. He wanted to call me Valak Dane, um, and I was like, uh, no, <laughs> um, because I, I I just thought Valak was dumb. I'm Irish, so let's be Irish, you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. And um, so I, I gave them a list of names, and they chose, chose Killian, which was cool, because it was like, it was actually, it was the first on my list, right? Uh, I don't think it was necessarily my favorite, but I... I it was up there. It was one of my top two or three. Um, and I was like, but I liked Killian. I, I kind of just explained this to, to uh, another podcast. Um, I, uh, Killian is the, is, my school got renamed St. Killian's, which is hilarious. Um, and like the area where uh, my parents live now, um, the uh, the patron saint was Killian. <laughs> so it was really funny. Um, and it, it's just one of those things. The name was just kind of always in my head. I liked Killian Murphy, yeah. the actor. Um, Killian Mbappe is one of the top soccer players on earth. So it just the name just kept hitting me. I was like, shit, I like I like Killian, you know. Um, so I chose Killian, went for it. Um, and like they kept the Dan part. There's no Irish person on earth called Dan, but it doesn't matter. Um, so it was, uh, you know, that was the, the give or take that, that I was happy to go with. Because <laughs> I was like, they'll probably just get rid of Dan anyway. They get rid of everybody else's names. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but one of the funniest parts is they, they, they always called me Demo. 
backstage and they always called me Damo even on comms. So there was a time when we had a new director or something like that. And I think Hunter was like, shoot Damo, shoot Damo. And he's like, who the fuck is Damo? Um, so they had to change. We all had to be called by our gimmick names after, and it was my fault. So, um, so whatever we were, we were all the coaches had to refer to me as as refer all of us by our gimmick names at all times. So I wasn't allowed to be demo anymore, which was funny. Um, but I'd been demo for that entire time until yeah. uh, one of, one of the new directors had no idea who demo was. <laughs> so a Triple H directed because of you, all because of you. I, I think I, I fucked it up so much uh, <laughs> that they had to do something. I mean, yeah. it makes sense long term because if that director's eventually going to go to Raw or SmackDown, he needs to know who, you know which one's Randy and yeah. which one's whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm sure if they if they say somebody else's name, it could be a, a devastating thing. Whereas at that point, we were pre-taping NXT, so you know it wasn't as big a deal. Um, they could always fix and post, but I, I know that like it was something that like if it had been live, it would have been a big issue. You know what I mean? So what do you think about your insanity? You know, you get the jacket, you, you're, you're in the group, but it feels like sanity in NXT. And it's funny. I just talked to Alexander Wolf a few weeks ago about this NXT sanity. Great, good potential. Like you can see where it's going sanity on SmackDown and in WWE, same company, but two different forms of sanity. One worked, one didn't You like, how, how can you explain it? It's weird. Ah, simple. Uh, we weren't created by Vince. So, like it was something he was given to him. Yeah, there you go. Well, it, you know, it's just something he's given to him. And, and originally he liked one of our promos. Um, and then he watched the same promo two weeks later and didn't like it. So, you know, it comes down to, you know, if he sees the vision, then great, it works. And that happens sometimes. You know, certain guys, he saw the vision off and was like, yeah, brilliant. Um, he didn't like that there was a girl in our group. So he got he got rid of Nikki, you know, and, and that, to be honest, Nikki was such an integral member of Sanity. Um, by the time we got called up, we were baby faces in NXT. You know, we'd, we'd went the full the full journey to the point where people genuinely started liking us. Um, so then we go up to the main roster. We're heels. Um, we don't have we don't have Nikki. Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura gets bitten by a bomb dog, so they need somebody to job to to Jeff Hardy. Um, some genius puts their hand up and says, "Hey, why don't you have EY do that? He's great. At, he's he's a great wrestler, and he is. You know, but." You know that was that was our debut. We lose on television, yeah. and that's that's what happens. You know, and like it, it's the sad but true part of live television, in that you know it, it could have worked differently. The, the truth is, the week before that, we were meant to debut at the very end of the main event. It was they were kind of it had spilled into nonsense. Like it was like the Miz and somebody against against New Day, and we were meant to appear on screen at the top of the ramp to close out SmackDown, but they overran, so it never happened. So. You know, who knows what could have been, what might have been, whatever else. But the truth is, you know, we had a good experience. You know, I got to travel the road with, with two of my very best friends. Um, I had such a such a wonderful experience. Um, and to be honest, you know, nobody ever told us why it didn't work. So we weren't able to fix it. You know, if they'd have told us, we would have done anything they wanted. Um, but, you know, for us, we were just continually having to guess. You know, and and that's sad, sad, sad but true. You know, uh, or worse is you get told something that, uh, and then afterwards, it's just like that's not what he wanted at all. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah which, 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 which happens, and you know what? Like, I'm not blaming anybody else because it's on us as well. We could have been better. You know what I mean? Like, um, we could have been tighter. What we did, we we could have worked harder. You know, we could have pitched more. Um, you know, so you know, the, the truth is, you know, it 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 rests in a lot of people why sanity didn't work out. Um, but. 
the number one most important thing is we weren't created by Vince and you know, that's it. You know, if he, if he sees it, then it's fine. You know, we went into SmackDown at the same time as Bludgeon Brothers, you know, and that was the team he was pushing. So, you know, I thought we would have been the perfect, perfect team to beat Bludgeon Brothers because there was three of us, you know, we could have done something to make that work. Um, But you know, that's, that's not what was in their heads at the time because they wanted us as villains, you know, and that's fine. Um, and like the, the bludgeons were brilliant at what they did two very talented big men so um, and, and that's just the way it is you know it was unlucky we didn't get to go to Raw at the time if we would have went to Raw it would have been maybe a little bit um, there would have been that extra hour of TV plus main event maybe there would have been more time for us but you know if if buts and maybes you know we we, we the, the things happened the way they happened um, and we all uh, we all had a good experience we all got to be in WWE we had a couple of pay-per-views and stuff like that which was cool we got the main event of Smackdown we got to wrestle Kane and Daniel Bryan and all these things that you know for as for as bad as our run might have been perceived it, it, it was a, it could have been a lot worse you know there, sadly there's people who had much even worse experiences than us you know what I mean so yeah, um, we got to travel the world and and had a laugh. You know what I mean. So, um, I got to to learn under EY, who's an incredible talent. Um, Alexander Wolf is by far one of my best friends alive. Um, you know, we got very close, and and you know, I, I got to to learn a lot about his. You know, him growing up in eastern eastern Germany and stuff like that. You know, st- stuff that I would never have known. You know what I mean? Because you know, I'm from the other side of Europe. You know, so honestly, we we'd uh, you know we we'd, we'd great experience, and and like I got to see how good. Um, all the wrestlers of SmackDown were because we do all the house shows and you got to wrestle everybody and you know you, you had wonderful times. Yes, these people might only have two to three minutes on TV itself. Then you get to see them do a twenty-minute epic <laughs> at a random place in like Texas or something, and you're like, oh my god, they're actually fucking incredible, you know? Yeah. And uh, you know, it, it was one of those experiences. But listen, like, um, it didn't work on the main roster for for a variety of reasons, and that's fine, you know. Um, we, we will always have NXT, we'll always have those incredible matches that we had, those incredible moments. Um, the, the relationship we had with the fans was amazing. Like, like it was so, it was just something else entirely. I remember like our, our debut with all four, well, not our debut, but when all four of us wrestled for the first time in a match at Orlando Takeover was one of the coolest experiences ever because they were just there for us and we were meant to be the villains and just they immediately just loved everything we did. You know, I got to be a part of that Dudley production, you know, the big production entrance and stuff like that, the lights, the the smoke machine, everything. And like the whole sanity entrance was outrageous. It was so good that they used it um, for the Dudley 2K video game. Like that was the first uh, commercial for the video game was our entrance. And that was like, that was the, the biggest feather in our cap because like, fuck, there's Randy, there's all, you know, all these people who are all John Cena, Roman Reigns are all amazing. And they chose Sanity, you know, this little group from NXT to be the opener to this entire video game. So it, it was, that was pretty cool. Like th- th- those really cool experiences. Um, so no matter what happens, we always had that. <laughs> that's, how we, that's how we always uh, told ourselves, you know what I mean? Yeah, and it's funny because, like, the video game and, and, and the entrance, the theme's like, oh, how could you miss? You can't miss on these guys. It's such a cool gimmick. And, you know, WB just just kind of dropped the ball with it. So, to me, it's like, man, they, we had something there, and they didn't do it. Like, you know what I mean? They, they dropped the ball big time. Yeah, they, they dropped the ball, but we're not the first, and we won't be the last that they right, dropped the ball on. Yeah. They're the big, they're biggest company in the world, and they're, they're, they have hits and misses like everybody else. Um, it, it's sad when you see misses from people who did so well in NXT, for example, because as you say, it's it's the own comp, it's their own company, um, and I reckon that'll happen a lot less now because they're trying to go a very different route with NXT, um, so there'll probably be a lot less misses in, in that regard. Um, but listen, like 
all the way leading up to, to us getting there, there'd been so many acts that had worked in NXT that didn't get the light of day on, on the main roster. And sadly, we ended up being one of them. Were you shocked at the release? Like when you get your release from there, are you surprised when it happens? Like, you, you know, it, is it just okay, come out of, out of nowhere for you? Um, so I think once, you know, they, they let go of Bray and Braun, every, every single person in that roster was like, yeah, all bets are off now. Like, yeah. um, because the year before that, when I, like, there was a little period where I wasn't on TV at all. Like COVID had just started and like, I was, you know, I was struggling for TV time. Um, like I think a lot of people were actually because they were they were struggling to, to know what, how to put TV together. I genuinely expected to get let go then, um, but I survived that. And I remember like having these conversations with with, with the writers. If they're like, "No, no, you would never, you were never any of the lists, whatever." I was like, "Okay, cool." Uh, and then like I'm in uh, at the point when I did get released, I was on TV every week. Um, I was actually in. This is the, the funniest part. I, when I got released, I was in the PC. I was training some of the younger talent. I'd just been told by Terry Taylor that we've got this gimmick. Me and, me and uh, Drake Maverick are doing this thing on Tuesday. Um, and it was quite a cool gimmick. I was like, oh, well, that's kind of cool. Looking forward to it. And then you get released and you're like, oh, shit. So, and I just got, I just got, um, just signed an extension on my deal. Uh, they could have let me expire four weeks before they let me go. Um, I was due to expire the same time as Alexander Wolf. They extended my deal, and sadly, they didn't extend his. So I got to see it like up close and personal. You know, I helped him, helped him leave the states. You know what I mean? I helped him get his, his life together before he left him and right. his family. So you know, I had one of the most emotional days of my life was 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 taking them to the airport. You know what I mean? It, it, it like it sucked, um, and yet they they extended my deal. They, they kept me on. You know, and I was like, oh shit, I guess I'm I'm safe then or whatever. And then I'm on TV and whatever else, um, and then boom, you know, then I'm gone four weeks later and then the weirdest part is like on their part poor business i guess because you know i was a main roster deal so i had 90 day release so um they could have got rid of me for nothing four weeks yeah yeah so, yeah <laughs> um so good for me because i was waiting on my green card so and i didn't know if it was going to be six months or 16 months so um uh, i had organized that outside of the company because i didn't want them to control that and um, so i was waiting on that coming so I, I ended up being really lucky and, and, and I, in fact i ended up being incredibly lucky that i got paid for three of the the five months that, that it was until my my green card came um when it could have been you know a lot less you know and, and i i could have been struggling actually for those months you know and I, so i i got very lucky with how that all worked out um uh, in the end, actually, because, you know, I look at some of my friends from Australia and whatever else who, you know, were had their green cards through the company and they got cancelled. And, and that sucks. And that's the heartlessness part of of big business, you know, and, and you know, multi whatever companies, you know what I mean? Conglomerate companies. That's what I was looking for. Um, you know, that is the, the harsh uh, reality of it. Um, and there's people, you know, from different parts who were all waiting on on their green card doesn't happen. So their visas get canceled and then they're, you know, they're caught with their dick in their hands. And, you know, I was lucky that I kind of knew that I needed to get that going. I needed to get that organized. And I got very lucky that within two months of getting, um, of my 90 days end and I, I had my green card and I was able to go again, but you know, I did, don't get me wrong. I did miss out on a lot of work and I, I was very lucky that, um, whatever companies did come back and, and talk to me, you know, I was able to work with and stuff like that. But like, there was a period where I'm, I'm having to say no because I legally can't, I can't take the work. And that was hard, like, because I'm like, shit, I'm opportunities yeah, are, are evading me here, you know, and that's tough. Um, but, you know, I was at the same time, um, I tried my best to, to stay active. I was helping, uh, there was a, 
you know, helping a girl train, get ready for a, um, a tryout, and she ended up getting the job. So that was one of the cool little wins that, that was really cool. I got released and helped somebody get a job. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I enjoy that side of things and stuff like that. So that was cool. I was able to do that and while I was you know waiting on my green card. So, and it also kept me relatively active throughout the whole summer. Um, you know, I was working out with a, with a friend of mine and then was able to help somebody, somebody get the, the, her dream job. So that was pretty cool. Overall, were you happy with the time there, or you you, you kind of wish it was more, or you wish they would have done more with sanity? Like, I think they're idiots because they should have put a belt on EY. Um, there was a period when we were the top heels. You know, there was a little period there where I think they should have put EY up against Shinsky, um, and he probably should have won the belt. That that's that's me as a. Uh, as a fan, as much as a as a guy involved, because I think EY, sh- I think they they vastly underrated EY. Um, yeah, not not necessarily the the because I know Hunter adored him and and knew exactly what he brought to the table. But in terms of creatively, I think they should have done something with him there. Um, when I look back at it, I'm like, you know, yeah, that, that was it was a bizarre time. But then I know we turned face kind of naturally and all these things. So I, I get it. That's why they, we went more tag team based, and then I went into the singles run and stuff like that instead because the crowd took to us in a different way you know what i mean and, and that happens and that's fine um like when eric and axel beat aop it was one of the coolest i did not expect it you know and it was a great breakout for axel so it was really cool um so i guess because the w just let what happened naturally happen you know the crowd started to like us started to dig us and um, so we went baby and i think a lot of that's down to both nikki and axel because they their energy they brought the sanity like it drew people in you know what I mean? Like EY and I, sure, yeah, I'm, I'm the toy guy and EY is the babbling leader. Um, but it was like, you know, it was those two who really brought the energy. And it was like, it was actually really cool to be a part of because it, it was, I noticed it like slowly and slowly. And I think having that big, you know, pompous entrance um, made people immediately stand up and take notice. And then obviously their energy and, and obviously all four of us are, are really good in ring, you know, so that, that helps too, you know, uh, yeah. especially at a time when, you know, everybody's good, like that NXT roster ended up getting so fucking talented like it just got better you know like as when i first got there to the from the year that i got there for the full calendar year from i got there to the end of 2017 suddenly the roster was just insane like it was just like it was good and then it was incredible and i I just remember thinking shit you know we're feuding with undisputed era for example you know three guys who i really respected um and then you know I, i don't think i realized how good they were until i was in there with them you know what I mean? And it was like, and that was just the, the cherry on top. Drew Galloway's appeared. Now he's like the, you know, so our, our roster just got, just got outrageously good. You know what I mean? So yeah, honestly, like um, no regrets at all. Like I, as I say, from a creative point, I thought, you know, they made a mistake not to put the belt on EY. But for me, geez, like I, I had some of the, the coolest experiences, some of the best matches um, I was ever going to have. Um, I, I remember I had this four-way dance with, uh, Johnny, uh, Alistair, and Lars, and it was one of my favorite matches. Um, it was like right at the, the end of the year, um, and we just went out there to try and kill it, and we did. And it was one of those things. So like, there's there was a lot of these crazy matches that I, I kept kind of having, you know. Um, the uh, and then like you know having the ladder match and all that kind of stuff after, like you know I knew I was I was getting promoted, um, and. So my last hurrah was the ladder match and then a couple of matches with Lars after. Um, and I was kind of meant to feud with Lars in the January. Um, but, you know, he had a couple of personal issues, so he couldn't he couldn't do it. So I was kind of 
you know, we were just kind of waiting to see what was coming next. And then boom, you know, I do the, the ladder match gimmick. Then, then I do the, the, the feud with Lars. So yeah, my, my NXT career was a lot of fun. And I, as I said earlier, I had so much fun on SmackDown. Like, yes, it, it could have been better. Yes. We could have done whatever and made more money and all this kind of stuff. Sure. Whatever. But like, we had such a laugh, like, like I can't even explain like the fun we had. There was days. So we got into this habit of getting Airbnbs, right? So Eric Young is like, developed this crazy like obsession right with trying to find the most bizarre things he can for airbnb and we'd be in like these odd architectural structures that people call houses um (laughs) all across (laughs) across america and then like because we're doing it and it's a lot of fun a lot of people started joining us like there was one there's one time it was the the three of us nikki was there because she was doing a couple of things in the main roster tommy dreamer was there randomly because he was in town um Aiden English has joined us you know like uh, Ty Dillinger's there like there's like seven or eight of us all in this mad like fucking haunted mansion or something like that EY's found on Airbnb and stuff like uh, like uh, so uh, that's that's the thing like I can't I can't explain how much fun I had like and it was such a great experience and then like getting to you know sit next to Daniel Bryan in a locker room you know Rey Mysterio, Randy Orton, like John Cena's there on tours and you're getting to pick his brain and stuff like that. Like, you know, you're, you're getting to work with the undertaker at the PC or, or there, there's the rock has appeared. You know what I mean? Listen, the stuff that you never thought, like I got to be in a class with Fit Finley. I got to be in a class with Shawn Michaels. Like never in my life did I think I'd get a chance to talk to these people, let alone get to learn from them and let alone get them, you know, telling me that I'm good at this. You know what I mean? So this is, you know, this is the thing I'm saying. Like, like our experience was incredible. I, I, I was there for five odd years. And had a, a fantastic experience. I definitely come out the other end a better wrestler, better mind for this business. Uh, and the best part of it for me now at 37 years old is I, I, I'm still in my, like, I think I'm entering my prime, if anything. Yeah. But I'm able now to actually, like, showcase, you know, what I learned and be able to pass that on to the next generation and hope that they can, you know, navigate these waters that little bit better than I did. You know what I mean? And, you know, it took me a long time to get to the point where I was, you know, I knew what I wanted to be in ring. I knew how I wanted to present myself. So, like, now that I'm able to talk to people and say, listen, I did this, I had to learn to overcommit before I, I, I understood, like, you know, like, I, I'd always be, like, one of those people who will make a little change, you know, a subtle change. Then it was until I actually went the fucking full kid and caboodle that I, I got, you know, I had the career of my wildest dreams, you know what I mean? So now that I'm meeting people, they're like, oh, what should I do? What should I do? And I'm like, well, you look like everybody else, you know what I mean? You, you, you've got short hair, you've got stubble. You look like look like anybody I could walk and meet in the street. So tell me, like, why, like, how would you stand out in a room? How do you like Johnny Moss once said to me, like, you need to be able to stand next to Randy Orton, and like, I I, I fully finally understood what that meant. What the day that I was standing next to Randy Orton, you know what I mean? And that that is it's so true. Like yep. Mossy Mossy's a, a coach now in NXT UK, but he he's just this incredible mind. And um, he was one of the first people I ever thought of as like like a real wrestler who who presented himself as an incredible shape, um, incredible ability. He was strong as an ox, and and he could do anything in ring. And um, it's no surprise that he's a coach there because you know he helped me so much. Uh, and this is before he was even coaching; he was still learning himself. And I, I'm learning almost by his example more than anything else. Um, but he said it best. He said, "Listen, you know, you need to be able to stand next to Randy Orton." And and that's true. Like that's for anybody coming through. You want to get to WWE? That's you need to be able to stand next to Randy Orton. And that's I knew when I looked the way I did. I I finally could stand next to Randy Orton. You know what I mean? Absolutely, yes, he's, yeah. he's still this Greek Adonis, you know, physique. <laughs> whatever else but I, I actually belonged when I looked the way I did 
but when I when I had the short hair and I had the short stubble and I was wearing the singlets and stuff like that, um, you know, I just looked like everybody else. And this is the thing I say, you know, when people come and ask me, I'm like, well, you know, you need to overcommit, overcommit all across the board. If you think it's a good entrance song, right, that's fine. But you need to ask yourself, well, a thousand people think it's a good entrance song. Well, well, 10,000 people think it's a good entrance song, you know, just because you like that song. Yeah, yeah, I know Kanye is popular. That's fine, right? But you won't be able to use it in somebody that has a copyright. Right. So go and make your own song. Go and talk to a music producer. I've literally just done it myself. So, um, and, you know, it's those things that, like, people learn, like, as they go, once they've heard it from, from like, a lot of people um there's a friend of mine who, who sadly you know died a couple of years ago lionheart adrian mccallum um, who was a, a little step ahead of all of us you know he figured this stuff out before a lot of us um, and when he tried to tell us we wouldn't listen um and it was crazy like years later when we finally you know it finally clicked and he was just sitting there going if you'd have listened to me four years ago <laughs> and he was right he was right then and he's right now and i'm like and he was the first person with custom entrance music. He was the first person who, you know, um, knew exactly how his character was and image was. He just got unlucky in that a time when Dudley wasn't hiring. You know what I mean? But that's, you know, there's people like that all, all across the world, you know. Um, but, like, honestly, you know, I, when I say to anybody, the, the number one thing, no matter what it is that you want to do in your life, you need to overcommit because you'd rather they have to reel you back in than, than they have to push you. That's a great point. That's a great, great point. So, as we hit the wind down, we head towards the finish here. What's next for you? What do you got coming up? So as I, as I said earlier, like I've got the super strong style 16 with progress wrestling. That, that is the, one of the most prestigious tournaments in, in all of Europe, actually. Um, and this year will be the first time the winner gets the progress world heavyweight championship. So all of us are clambering over each other for that one this year. I can tell you that uh, outside of that, you know, I'll be back over for ICW with, Shug's house party at the end of July. It's one of their biggest shows of the summer. Um, I've got New Japan Strong. I literally just confirmed a date today. So a couple more nice. dates for them over the, over the next while. And then, honestly, I've got a, a variety of stuff when it comes to Defy or Black Label Pro over here in the States or a bunch of stuff over in the... Uh, over in Europe so uh, I, honestly like I'm very excited for the summer like as I said January was w was very slow and since then it has been booming I've just been busy 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 um, and I'm very excited for what's next very excited for autumn very excited for winter um, but I know that if you stay, if you keep on top of me, follow me at Demo Mackle on Twitter and Instagram at Demo Mackle, all one word. You'll find out what's next. I've just released my, my theme music. Funny, I just talked about music there. Um, yeah. I created a, a great song with David Grimison over, he used to do all the tunes for ICW. He, he did El Fantasmo's uh, song there in New Japan as well. Um, he's this incredible, talented uh, artist, used to tour with Limp Bizkit back in the day. And he wow. uh, he, he just created my, my, my music. We did it a bit of a collaboration. I actually did some of the lyrics myself um, which uh, probably will explain some of the nonsense uh, and I've just I've just put it up on my Twitter there like it, they're getting released there on Spotify and iTunes in the next couple of days which is really cool and you can also get um, any of my merchandise on ProWrestlingTees.com slash Demo Mackle so yeah please uh, please uh, have a look at the Twitter the Instagram that's where I generally try to update everything as much as I can Big Demo thank you so much for all the time I really appreciate it my pleasure, John. Thanks for having me. I know that we eventually got there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, finally we did it. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, though. Appreciate it. My pleasure. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the two-man power trip of wrestling. 
You could follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You could check us out on Facebook. You could subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash TMPT Empire to become a patron and also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two Man Power Trip, where the power lies, brother. <laughs>